Postdoc transformation. Postdoc transformation. Postdoc transformation. Invest in your postdoc transformation. Welcome to the seasonal show for scientists leaping into business. In every sponsored episode, we are happy to recommend employers of choice for you. Make sure to check your readiness to leave out of science with us for free as linked in the show notes. For your career transition, we offer customized career transition e-courses and memberships also at graduate schools all over the world. Maybe yours too. And if your university isn't yet our customer, Enroll in your free email course for career transition made simple as linked in the show notes. I'm your host, Professor Dr. Eleanor Sui Winkles, with my team who is rooting for you. And let's build your postdoc transformation with this episode. Hello, postdoc transformers. I'm here to give you a treat. I'm talking to Dr. Tina Roseva. She is originally from Bulgaria, but she lives in Germany. And she is a computer scientist turned MBA, turned startup founder, turned PhD, turned entrepreneur. So she can really share a lot of stories, how you can shift around difficult situations and turn that into something good and useful. She is a very extroverted person and she also is purposeful and legacy driven. We'll learn from her why she did a PhD. She'll be also talking about her companies and the current one is Mentessa AI, which is a platform that connects people at companies to build a learning culture. Last but not least, she's also a mom of two wonderful children. So welcome to the stage. Let's go. Tina, I'm so grateful that you are participating as one of the very first experts and leaders for the Postdoc Transformation Show. I, you know, followed your way for a couple of years now. I also participated in one of your conferences. So I'm a big fan because you are an inspiring role model. Oh, so thank you. this is your stage. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. There's nothing above empowerment. I think in our society, everyone should take care of at least one other person. So I'm really happy to be here to talk about careers, to talk about entrepreneurship, but also about postdoc personal development. So thank you for inviting me. Oh, thank you. All right. So without further ado, you are a very special PhD because I know that you study computer science, uh, but you also then ventured out become an entrepreneur before you did a PhD yes. and that you did in Bulgaria, right? So tell um, me a little bit more about that. Yes, actually not in Bulgaria. I have been living in Germany for 22 years now. Okay. I came when I was 18, right after high school, I started studying computer science at uh, the LMU in mm -hmm. Munich. It was a great time, but ever since the first day in lectures, I knew I am a bit different from my <laughs> colleagues, not just gender-wise. We were very, very, very many students. So Audi Max, computer science first semester, more than thousands of students back then, very, very few women, but there was something different, something else different too. 
So I was very extroverted. I was very outgoing. I really wanted to get to know the people around me. I cared about their stories and how we could help each other. That's not the Absolutely. normal profile of a tech person, unfortunately. And I think this is changing. So I felt a little bit not in the right place in the studies. And after one year, I changed into an NC subject, so a lot smaller computer science course, which was specialized on human computer interaction. So it led to my interest, to user experience, to a lot of skills that I benefit from right now as an entrepreneur, but also to subjects like psychology, sociology, and mm. which I think really shifted my career towards more like building in the intersection with people and not so much behind the curtains. After I graduated, I started to work for Microsoft near Germany. I didn't have any ambitions to do a PhD or to start a startup. I was a young Bulgarian. I knew how great my salary was. I think when I started my job at Microsoft, I was only 24 years old. So I really had a really nice income and the whole world was before me, so to say. Waiting for you, yeah. Yes. Unfortunately, I just didn't find myself again in the right place again. So everyone was so focused on their task and on the software. My job at Microsoft was actually as a support engineer. So not on the phone with end consumers, but with business partners. So very difficult installations and very custom processes. So it was really interesting. However, I was supporting a product called a CRM system, mm -hmm. customer relationship management system. Mm -hmm. As a computer scientist, I didn't know why you need one. So I really wanted to understand why is it what I'm doing purposeful and useful for somebody. And I was not encouraged to understand this within my job role. So as a techie, I was supposed to stay in the tech role and do the tech stuff and not ask too many questions. And this is when I started very, very few weeks after I joined Microsoft to look for alternatives. And I found an MBA program at TU Munich. And I just said, okay, it's now or never. I applied. And as soon as I got the Zulassungsbescheid, uh, I quit my job. So within one year, I was gone. And this is where my startup journey started. And once you have determined your readiness to leap and want to transition into business or industries, then you can enroll in your free email course with 10 actionable bingeable email lessons until you start your job in business. You'll get 10 emails like this. Number one, how to leap out of science. Number two, how to build your sustainable LinkedIn profile. Number three, how to read social media and network. Number four, how to research your favorite jobs and employers. Number five, how to do informational interviews to get insights. Number six, how to create your customized applications with ChatGPT. Number seven, how to prepare your thesis from a business point of view. Number eight, how to apply to your favorite employers. Number nine, how to choose the right job offer. Number 10, how to prepare for your new job. Oh, wow. Both universities are prestigious universities yes, in Germany. Yes. So they were out. I am very proud to having graduated two of the top you know, universities. I just want to say I was never seeking after a career. I come from a country where 
while I was growing up, career was not a thing. Mm -hmm. So while I was growing up, Bulgaria was transitioning from communism to democracy. So everything that was, was canceled. So there was no such thing like looking up to your grandparents mm. for their long-standing corporate career and wanting to do the same or having a mentor who is navigating you in an institutional or research career. Everything was reset, rebooted. So mm. I just grew up with, for this reason, with an extremely strong sense of integrity because growing up in a transformational environment leads to two things. You either say, oh, everything is changing. There's nothing I can do. And you can just resign. You can back up and say, I'll just be passive and see what's going on. And you can do the second alternative, which is the one I chose. You can develop something on the inside, which you can hold yourself onto so that there is at least one stable thing in your life. And I call this integrity. And this is the path I took. And I think this helped me a lot because I was always thinking, Am I at the right place? What's really important for me? What is that really, really matters? What do I want to be my legacy? How do I want to make an impact, be it small or big? So yeah, very two prestigious universities. I haven't looked for prestige. I'm happy I found it, but I think the reasons for everything turning out successfully were more on the inside. Yes, absolutely. I mean, both universities can be really happy to have you because what I have already shared in the introduction is that you are winning awards. You yourself are inspiring, but also your company. So before we also talk about the company, can you also say, why did you do a PhD then on top of the MBA? Yes. So I walked you through my early career days, um, through my first studies, I didn't, um, tell you about my startups though. And I think I have to say it before, because my PhD was a little bit of a coincidence. I was first an entrepreneur, entrepreneur mm -hmm. turned PhD turned entrepreneur again. Um, and this is what happened. So I went to study MBA with a focus on entrepreneurship and innovation management at TUM. And I saw a business plan for the first time, a business model come. So it was all very new and inspiring and exciting. And I just started applying these things I learned at school. And I quickly developed an idea, the idea for my first startup, uh, Gym's App. Mm -hmm. it, is, it was one of the first fitness apps in Europe, if not the very first one. And the idea was that back then a YouTube video was limited up to four minutes. You cannot imagine how difficult it was to uh, find good content online uh, because the internet connectivity was not that good and there was just technical limitations. Live streaming was a thing only for nerds. You would need <laughs> a lot of time, a lot of cables and a lot of passion and, um, you know, patience to live stream anything. So it was actually impossible. So I connected the dots as a computer scientist and, and as an MBA, I knew the internet is coming. It was the year when the iPhone came to uh, life and uh, DSL connectivity started to spread in Europe. So I was a big fitness fan and I knew, okay, my grandfather had this audio cassette and my mom had the VHS with Cindy yeah. and I had the DVDs and now it's all online. So all of those trainings are going to 
come to the internet and YouTube was not an option back then. So this was how my first company started. I ran it, spinning it off from my MBA and throughout the successful development of Jim's app, which was an award-winning technology. And we had a lot of international exposure. Here, here. <laughs> I, I met a professor from Bulgaria, from my home country at one of the conferences in Barcelona, a large, very well-connected platform with Silicon Valley investors. He said, Tina, you actually have the perfect profile for a PhD student because you are already engaged with the California ecosystem. You live in Munich and you're from Bulgaria, from Sofia. And those three places collaborate on a very special PhD system run throughout the Intel initiative for fostering technology entrepreneurship worldwide. So it was like, I was the person connecting those three dots that wanted to cooperate to bring entrepreneurship to techies like me back then. And did you know that we offer deep dive e-course workshops and memberships at graduate schools, maybe also at yours in the future? Ask your graduate school coordinator whether they want to book my services so that I can deliver them to you 24-7, 365 on your mobile device. And even better, if you get us paid by your grad school, we will pay you 50% recurring sales commissions. So you will earn money with us as we help you and your PhD besties to transition into business. We can build a poster transformation together. And I have to say, and I'm saying this, although it is a postdoc podcast, I know how hard it is to write a PhD and I don't want to discourage anyone because we should be bold and we should empower ourselves at the first place before we can empower others. However, I only agreed to do that PhD for super selfish reasons. And I thought, oh, how lovely it would be if I would have a doctor title, as they say in Germany. Mm -hmm. And I completely underestimated the effort, <laughs> the whole pain that you have to go through <laughs> to write anything, especially a PhD. And I also did it externally because I was living and running my company here in Munich. Mm -hmm. At the Sofia University, I had to fly there and teach and do stuff. And it was, four years of no weekends. So it mm. was really, really, really a price too high, given that <laughs> I didn't stay in academics. So I just wanted to say this as a disclaimer. I was a young person too. And I also, you know, not always had the purpose in mind. So from time to time, every one of us, you know, is not doing the right thing. And this is how I ended up as a PhD, but I think it was really great. So although it didn't influence my income, I think in a formal country like Germany, it has mm. always been more beneficial yeah. to, to have the highest study degree possible. Mm. Yeah. And actually I think that once you reach your autumn of life or your winter of life, you can also come back to academia and share all your wisdom that you have acquired already and will acquire because you shouldn't go back to academia right away. That would be a waste of your talents, but I am awaiting for the time 
like in 20 or 30 years when you will come back and share everything that you have already shared now in this podcast episode, but also even more because I know that there will a lot of things coming your way. So in the introduction, I already said that you are award winning. So Jim's app was one of the companies you probably sold that, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So Mm -hmm. So Jim's app, I ran between 2009 and 2013. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, I became a mom twice. Oh my God. (laughs) Yes. At at one point, um, you know, I I will just open brackets here because entrepreneurship is, I think, a way of life. So it doesn't Mm -hmm. really matter if you are an academic or just a corporate employee or a freelancer. I think every one of us has the capacity to build our lives on purpose and everything around us. So um, this is how I approach things. So life happened and I had two wonderful children, which now are quite grown up for that for that reason. So it's a benefit again. It was difficult back official. So everything has upsides and downsides. So to come back to your question, I ran the company it started to get really, really difficult. And we had a personal thing in the family, which I needed to take care of. Mm-hmm. And I was just putting this on the scales and I said, okay, is there someone who can take care of bringing of fitness and sports activities and guidance to the internet, somebody else in the world? Mm-hmm. And I was like, hmm, yes, probably there are. And as history showed, there were many companies that followed on the trend and uh, it became a big thing. And today it's very normal to practice with your smartphone or with your watch or in any other way. And then I was looking at the scales and I was like, okay, is there somebody else in this world who can take care of my family that needs me right now and of our special situation? And I clearly had to admit that I was the only person who can do it now. So for me, it was one of those moments when integrity pushed through and I said, okay, as much as I love being an entrepreneur and this company and no matter how far we've come, I have to now put it on the shelf and go back to deal with stuff that needs to be dealt with. And this is how I stopped being an entrepreneur how I started to work in corporate again. This is where actually the most of the four years PhD took place. I was working back in corporate, a normal job. I was taking care of my family and I worked on my dissertation. And I think one of the things that I learned from that, or if my personal humble story can be of use for anybody is that we just, if we stay flexible, there's always way how you can shift around difficult situations and turn them into something good and something useful. Wow. If you were doing something else, come back to me and listen to that like five minutes before that. This is really important. And I think that integrity is something that is a value of Tina. And I hope that you will find values in your life that will help you to, you know, create a vision of your life and also to accomplish that, even if you have to navigate hardships, obstacles, like Tina already alluded to. Have you ever wondered how to make your grad school stand out in the crowded landscape of academia? 
Do you aim to attract the best master students from all over the world to learn from and work with your professors so that your research remains globally recognized and well-funded? Do you wish to repel bad applications which aren't tailored towards your grad school's research profile? Now, let's talk about a powerful branding tool, podcasts. They're a game changer for higher education institutions. As a professor, active on TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, and a podcast host and producer of this postdoc transformation show, I'm here to encourage all the graduate school representatives to think beyond the conventional marketing mechanism. Instead of being one of many vendors at a time-limited grad school fair, why not create a podcast that showcases your grad school as the ultimate destination for the world's best master's students. Share inspiring and encouraging stories of your top PhD students, high-profile alumni, your faculty, and the incredible opportunities your grad school offers. A podcast can be a window into your school's vibrant community, its cutting-edge research, and unique experiences. And in times of AI-generated marketing material, a podcast with your academic leaders in real life is a very human and innovative way to attract prospective PhD students. You can inform them every day, everywhere, not just during the typical grad school application seasons. This would prepare your best candidates for the application. Even better, you can support and make your current PhD students and postdocs visible for the next career steps in academia or business. Remember, successful graduates elevate your grad school's reputation. So, if you are a university chancellor, grad school dean, speaker, consider this. By launching a podcast for your grad school, you can elevate your grad school's brand and tell aspiring scientists and employers what makes your grad school the best choice with scalable evergreen content. If you're interested, forward this to your marketing representative and get our list of 30 sample episode titles customizable for your grad school podcast and just enter an email address on my website www.postdoctransformation.com as linked in the show notes. As a seasoned professor and podcaster, I'm also happy to strategize about how you can launch your grad school podcast on Podbean, the podcast hosting platform we use for the Postdoc Transformation Show, supporting scientists leaping into business. All right. So you had not only one company. We understand now that you did a PhD and from the energy level, you could probably say that this is not where your heart is, but instead you ventured out again and created a new company, which we now know. Yes. Which one is it? My company is called Mentessa. Mm -hmm. It is an award-winning AI platform that helps. AI, okay. AI. We already talked about the importance of AI. So listen to this. Absolutely. Right. Uh, so it's, a, it's an AI platform that helps companies connect their employees for learning and collaboration based on skills. If you look at that on a larger scale, it helps companies build a connected learning culture in a very, very distributed workforce. And this is one of the core challenges business and organizational leaders have today. How do we forge a sense of purpose? How do we connect people so they collaborate interdisciplinary, but also beyond hierarchy, gender, function, or anything else? 
There are many reasons why we need to do it. The most important and critical one is that the challenges we face today are more dramatic than any time before in human history. And we need any single skill and talent applied and not wasted so that we have a better chance to, to solve them. Another, another reason is that it's just a fair thing to do because it allows for diverse talent, not just like women or minority or, or other underrepresented people in a dominant culture to participate in the workplace and by this in the economy, but it's also just their thing to do on an individual level, to give everyone the opportunity to achieve their best. And uh, there are many, many other reasons. So companies today cannot innovate if they stick to the status quo, they have to move fast. And a lot of the knowledge and solutions are not available out there, but they can be created in the right team. So um, this is what we want to bring into a company culture. And this is what I'm really passionate for. I think you also hear that it kind of routes from my personal story and my personal development in the workplace where being a woman in tech or a woman in academia or a woman from Bulgaria in Germany or a female founder has very often been a reason for barriers, for know-how exchange, for mentorship, for funding, etc. So I really want that everyone in the workplace has the opportunity to uh, have access to the knowledge and people around them and not just the very, very entrepreneurial people in the workplace. I think we should drop the mic. I don't know what, I, what else I could say. I mean, what I seldomly say is that I'm also a professor for industrial non-occupational psychology. I've also worked in the IT workplace and everything that you said is so true. We, I mean, the human workforce needs that. They, we need connected learning and collaboration so I'm really, really happy that I have you. And I think that we should invite you also to my real lectures in real life for my bachelor and master's students of business psychology, because then you can also have a deep dive in, in these kind of topics. Now for the podcast itself. Have you found this episode so far helpful for yourself? Well, maybe you can subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Popping, or wherever you get our show. And also share this episode with your PhD bestie because that would encourage us to help the underprivileged, underrepresented, and underserved early career scientists leaping into business. This would also ensure that you don't miss a future episode. Also, our subscription and listening numbers are key for finding the right sponsors for our show so that we can help you for free. And now back to the show. So for early career scientists, I also want to have like your true sense on the future of work. Where do you think is your company moving uh, in that context of new work, big and growing? I mean, I already said that, that we know each other from, I, I participated in one of your sessions for um, big and growing festival, so new work. And you're also the president of that thing. You, can you allude to that a little bit more? Yes, I'm happy to. So first of all, thank you. And let's do all of this and let's create more opportunities and collaborate more because I think this is the future of work. Yay. And, <laughs> and about the festival, I started Big and Growing as a new work festival, as a movement 
on parallel together with Mentessa back in 2019, after five years in the workplace, just seeing how little people talk to each other and how little is going on and how many barriers there are, I said, okay, let me try to fix this again with a startup. Mm -hmm. uh, technology entrepreneurship is the most powerful way to shape the world today because you can scale technology and you can bring solutions equally to more people. So I, I started the company and I saw, okay, uh, technology won't be the problem. AI won't be the problem because mm -hmm. back in 2019, AI was available as a service. The problem was how people were thinking about technology, AI and matching, and especially about the culture of being able and being free to collaborate and talk and learn from everyone. This was not a welcomed perspective in the regular company in Germany or in Europe back then. So I started it and I saw, oh, the digital transformation is not a technology problem, not digitizing processes. It's a cultural transformation problem. It's how we can learn to think differently about work and the purpose of organizations. And this is why on parallel next to the technological solution, I saw myself required to start a movement to rethink the workplace and what we do there. And this is how the Begin Growing New York Festival emerged. And this is why it is a decentralized platform where people can contribute independently of their career level or academia, um, because it is important today, and this is to come back to your original questions, what is in uh, for us in the future of work, it is important today to create an inclusive workplace. So my vision is silo-free. How can we remove the silos that stop people from giving their best, that stop them from being seen, um, contributing, because in a world that's changing so fast, diversity is not just gender and race. It also encompasses nationality, you know, mm -hmm. really social class, age, ability, diversity of thought, most of all. And this is required for us to solve the challenges we spoke about. Absolutely agree. It's, it, I already said that pre-recording that I joined the Big and Growing Festival as someone, I think that on LinkedIn, I only had 2000 followers or so. And that festival was so enlightening in the sense of, I started to become, you know, visible mm -hmm. as someone having a maternal leave, um, as someone who's having a different career. And I, that was one of the opportunities to connect with a lot of inspiring people. So thank you again for that opportunity, oh, because yeah. one of yeah. the one of the hashtags that I used back then was really non-siloed thinking. So this without silos, I mean, thinking beyond the borders of, of you know, a small box and to sort of like outgrowing that. The, these were the values that were really resonating for me back then with you and also today. And I hope that everyone who is following the poster transformation will also connect with you on LinkedIn. I will also include everything that we are talking about uh, in a couple of minutes, but also what we have already talked about in the show notes. So please check out the show notes. I know that Tina is also offering mentoring capabilities. I'm not sure whether you will have a run. I would say that you will have a big run for your mentoring 
slots. I don't know. I'm not sure whether this is a wise idea, but if you ever have a capacity for being a mentor for me, I'm the first. Remember <laughs> me. Remember me. Wow. <laughs> but before we will talk about your mentoring capabilities or you know capacities, I also want to ask about the book that you have written, but also that you're writing. So I know of two. Which one is the one that is probably most suitable for the poster transformation show? And now it's time to thank company ABC, who sponsors this episode of the Postdoc Transformation Show. I would now be reading the company's answers to one of six bold questions so that you can choose to apply. For example, number one, describe your most valuable experts versus leaders in your company. Have they typically earned a doctor title? Number two, for whichever company roles or units do you encourage somebody with a doctor title to apply? Number three. How would you describe your organizational culture in which your most valuable experts and leaders thrive in? To nominate an employer of choice so that we can ask our informative bold questions, let us know via the click on the link. If you are a company representative, like in recruiting and employer branding, and now you want your company to be highlighted as an employer of choice for our audience, you can become a sponsor of a dedicated post-transformation show episode. Just click on the link in the show notes. And now, back to the Postdoc Transformation episode. Yes. I wrote a book called Big Heart Ventures, Technology Entrepreneurship for the Next Age of Development. It is a book that helps aspiring entrepreneurs mm -hmm. to um, connect their business to a purpose. Mm -hmm. uh, my favorite sentence from the entire book, I think I wrote the entire book so I can say this sentence to more people is the benefit of purpose is the courage to pursue it. I think very, very many people start a PhD or a startup or a family or some other project out of other reasons than purpose. And for me, it is required in order to stick around for as long as it's necessary to turn it into a success. And purpose I define as something that is important for me, but also that is beneficial for other people. And this is why the book is called Big Heart Ventures, because big is more than one person, more than you. So a purpose is more than my career, my stuff, my money, my development. It's beneficial for at least one other person. It can be as small or as big as you wish, but it has to bring something to somebody. And if you think like this about entrepreneurship, you will find that there is no need to differentiate between social and other entrepreneurship. You will find that there is no need to talk about G's and economy. You will find that it creates a very cohesive and holistic approach towards life and work in general because everything we do impacts somebody else and it impacts us so i wrote a book to encourage young people to look beyond the investor to look beyond all the perks that come with you no know, being a startup founder the conferences and the visibility and actually think about why am i doing this why does it matter to somebody else because in every career um the same also in in uh, writing a PhD. There are days and moments where you really have to struggle 
And in startups, those are maybe even more because mm -hmm. entrepreneurship is actually a very, very mundane uh, work. You have to uh, create stuff, you have to sell it. So it's not only the, the nice, <laughs> nice things, you really have not to- Not only the awards. <laughs> Not only, um, you know, it's not as exciting most mm -hmm. of the days as people think, because creating something new for real creating, it means applying it and seeing if it works. And uh, this is where it is very, very similar to the scientific method where you just have to collect data and analyze and do stuff and do it again and do it one more time. So when those a little bit harder days come or when the real, you know, hardship comes on the way, most people are like, oh, in this big, beautiful world, there's so many other things I could do. I just might want to drop this. But if you really want to make something that lasts, no matter in which area of life, you have to stay as long as it requires to overcome those things. And this is where purpose comes into place and gives you a reason to try it one more time and to try it a little bit better. So I wrote a book about this. It's called Big Heart Ventures. Any one of your listeners who connects me on LinkedIn and writes me a message, I will give away a free digital copy. Oh, but you can also cool. find the book, of course, and you can also find the book on Amazon or just on my website, tinarusova.com. I'm really happy to share it because I think this is something we still teach too little. And um, during my PhD, I, I was teaching entrepreneurship and I actually, in my MBA, I learned entrepreneurship at the university. And I think we talk so much about the house, uh, about how to write the business plan and how to find investors and how to build a business model and all of the house. But we really talk really too little about the what, like, what are you actually investing your life into? What are the reasons that will drive you even when it's hard? And I think those are the things that at the end of the day matter. So I filled the gap. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Thank you. And this is really the moment where I would say that I have prepared a lot of questions, but I'm so, so glad that I didn't ask you any of these. I want to do interviews with people who are inspiring PhDs. And I never got around with that because it's like, it's time consuming to prepare myself and also to find people who are willing to share about their journey like you just did. And I'm so, so glad that you have spontaneously said yes. And within, I think, two or three days, we just recorded this episode. And I don't think that there will be a lot of editing needed because every word that you said should be listen to again and again. And I already know a lot of people who need to listen to this and I will share that with them so happily because I think that you are so inspiring. So oh, thank you, Ellie. Thank you. It was an honor to be on your show and good luck to everyone listening. Don't give up, be strong and help each other stick to each other. So we women get stronger together. Remember, you are a postdoc transformer. You are highly intelligent, well-educated, a bachelor, master, and maybe you have already your doctor under your belt, or you are a postdoc. You are internationally experienced, fluent in English, a leader and expert in your prior research field. You're resilient, brilliant in adaptation and problem solving. You are eager to bring in the transferable and monetizable skills needed in many companies to embrace the future and to become 
or remain an innovator in their markets. Do you want a transcript of our episode? And our episode sponsors answers to all six bold questions so that you can choose to apply. Do you want to nominate your potential employer of choice so that we can ask them our bold questions? For all of that, click on our links in our show notes and on our website, www.postdoctransformation.com. Remember to check your readiness to leap out of science and to enroll in our free email course, Career Transition Made Simple. Thanks for your attention. I'm Professor Dr. Elna Zoe Winkers, the host of your seasonal Postdoc Transformation Show. Postdoc Transformation.